And whenever you find that, if you want to mind to stand <clears throat> as we read seven words, two verses. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19 and 20 is our text tonight. Well, Chad, why do we stand for two verses? Well, because it's in honor of what we have in our hands. The infallible, inerrant, perfect, revealed will, word of the living God. And so we stand just in honor of that. And so we'll read verse 19 and 20. <clears throat> Paul says this. Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesying. It's so short, let's just read it again. Let's read it together. Ready? Quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesying. Amen. So we're going to pray, and our, our title tonight is this. The healthy sheep loves the good shepherd's voice. Say it again. The healthy sheep loves the good shepherd's voice. God, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for giving us your word. Lord, that we can know your voice, that we can hear from you. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be in your house tonight, that we can hear your word preached. I pray that you bless it. I pray that you help me as I declare your word tonight. I pray that you'd move me out of the way and just speak through me, please, that your people would hear from you and that we would listen and be excited to hear your voice tonight. Love you, Christ, in my prayer. Amen and amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> so as you know, if you've been here for the last few weeks, Paul has been talking about how to maintain a healthy flock. And uh, by flock, we mean the, the congregation, the church, Valley Avenue Baptist Church. Uh, obviously, Paul is speaking to the church at Thessalonica there. I like to call it Thessalonica Baptist Church. Um, but Paul is helping them to stay healthy. And we said, and you know this, that the church at Thessalonica was a healthy church. They were, they were doing the work. They were excited. They were loving each other the way they should. They were uh, holding fast to the faith, faith, even in the face of persecution. And Paul was thankful. But um, just because, again, just because a church is healthy doesn't mean a church will stay healthy. And just because, I, as I believe wholeheartedly, the Valley Avenue Baptist Church is a healthy church, but just because it is doesn't mean it's going to stay that way. And so Paul's been helping this church uh, with some relationships in the church that if, if those relationships are right, then it's going to keep the church healthy. Okay, Verses 12 and 13 address the relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. Uh, really, we should say the under-shepherd and the sheep, right? The pastor and the church members. And and if our church is going to stay healthy, then you and my relationship needs to be right. Uh, verse 14 and 15, Paul addressed the relationship between the sheep and the sheep, how church members can serve one another and, and keep a relationship with each other that's healthy. That will go a long way in keeping our church healthy. <clears throat> Verses 16 and 19, we dealt with two weeks ago. Last week we kind of took a little bit of a hiatus from our, our series, but two weeks ago we talked about how that Paul addressed the relationship between the sheep and the great shepherd. Remember that? And we talked about how that a church member can keep a healthy walk with God, how they can throughout their life, throughout their daily life, not just at, on Sundays and Wednesdays, but throughout the, throughout the week, maintain a healthy walk with God. And if each church member maintains a healthy personal walk with God, that's going to go a long way in keeping the church healthy. Okay? 
And so that's what we've dealt with so far. In our text tonight, Paul addresses the relationship a sheep has with the good shepherd's voice. With the good shepherd's voice. It's a, it's a little bit different than last week, but very closely related. But we're looking specifically at the good shepherd's voice and the relationship the sheep has with that. Next time, next week, Lord willing, we're going to see what Paul has to say about the relationship between a sheep and a wolf's voice. There's more than one voice that comes our way. There's more than one person uh, that, that uh, purports to be a shepherd. You see, there are wolves out there. Just, just a little bit of a preview, but you know, Jesus talked about uh, false prophets a lot. And he said they would come. And so did a lot of other writers, Paul and Peter and others. But Jesus said, described them this way, as a wolf in sheep's clothing. You ever heard that before? <clears throat> did you know that doesn't mean a wolf who looks like a sheep? That's what we always thought. What that means, here, here's who wore sheep's clothing, shepherds. What? Well, a shepherd oftentimes would wear clothing made from the wool of their sheep. And a wolf would, did I say a wolf? I meant a shepherd. A shepherd would oftentimes wear the, the clothing of the wolf and their sheep. And so Jesus is saying there's going to become people who come in and look like shepherds, and they're going to, give you, they're going to try to give you doctrine, and they're going to try to tell you stuff that, and tell you, hey, this is from the great shepherd. And it's not. Wolf's voice. We'll talk about that next time. But today we're just going to deal with the shepherd's voice. So God, the great shepherd, he speaks to his people mainly in two ways. In fact, I would say exclusively in two ways. His spirit and his word. That's how God talks to us. His spirit and his word. And there are maybe not two more important topics in a believer's life than the spirit of God and the word of God. It's impossible to live the Christian life without the help of the Holy Spirit and without the word of God. You need both of those. And they, you don't only need both of those, but both of those need to be important to you. You need to make a decision that those two, those two things, one's a person, the other's a thing, but the Holy Spirit and the Word of God need to be very important to you. <clears throat> there really should be nothing more important in your life and in your personal life than living a life that is surrendered to the Holy Spirit's control and living a life that is submitted to the Word of God. Those should be your, your two primary goals in life. Brother Chad, even more than being a good father and a good mother and a good wife, yeah, even more important than that. What? Well, because if you if you make those two things primary, then you're going to be the best father and the best mother and the best uh, wife and the best husband that you can be. You see, and so your your relationship with the Holy Spirit and your relationship with the Word of God needs to be primary to you. If you're going to be the Christian God wants you to be, and so there's clearly personal application to this. You need to wake up every day, every single day, and surrender to the will of the Holy Spirit. You have to do that every day. You say, Brother Chad, on Sunday I got right with God and I surrendered to God. Yeah, that's great, but you need to do that again. And again, and again, and again. Paul said, I die daily. He surrenders daily to God. So that's important. You need to be in the Word every day. And so there's obvious personal application to this. But the primary application of our text, as we've seen, is dealing with what happens when we gather together as a church family, right? We're dealing with the flock. We're dealing with the gathering. 
And so, as we consider what Paul says here, obviously there's going to, these are very wide, and if you didn't know the context, very broad umbrella topics. Those two verses can go a lot of directions. But what we're going to do tonight is have special emphasis with the context of our passage, which is the, which is the flock, which is the gathering yeah, of ourselves together. And so what should be most important to us as a church family, as Valley Avenue Baptist Church, is that we are surrendering all that we do to the Spirit of God and to the Word of God. What we do as Valley Avenue Baptist Church, when we meet together, when we fellowship together, when we sing to the Lord, when we hear the preaching of the Word, whatever we do, it needs to be surrendered to what? To the Spirit of God and to the Word of God. Valley Avenue Baptist Church needs to be that way. I will say, though, that a large part of what we do as a church family, a large part of what we actually do practically, will depend on how you're doing this in your personal life. So, so there's kind of an overlap here, but we're still going to do our best to focus on, on the church life, okay? Or else we'll just be here for three hours. Want to be here for three hours? Okay. So um, a healthy church member, so we're going to keep it in the context of a church member. So a healthy church member says yes to the Spirit of God. That's number one. A healthy church member says yes to the Spirit of God. Paul said this in verse 19. Quench not the Spirit. <clears throat> so to quench something can refer to really two different things. It can, re it can refer to causing something to cease to exist altogether. Like you quench a fire and it's gone. Or it can cause for something to cease from functioning, where it's there, but it's not working right. You see? Repressing something, such as a, a passion or an emotion, and it's there, but it's stifled, it's quenched. And obviously a believer cannot do anything that will cause the Holy Spirit to leave him altogether. A, Holy Spirit, the, a believer cannot do that. When you get saved, God lives in you. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell in you. He comes to stay in you. He seals you to the day of redemption. He's the down payment, the earnest on your soul. He will be with you, and you cannot get rid of him. You're stuck with him. And, and if you are a believer and you're trying to live a life that goes opposite than the will of God and goes opposite in the Spirit of God, you can do that. You're just going to be miserable. And there's nothing more miserable than a Christian who's trying to live without God because he can't do it. He's there. So you can't make the Spirit go away. It's not going to happen. So then to quench the Spirit in our text then, what he's talking, to, or talking about is repressing the Spirit or suppressing the Spirit. And it's done by resisting Him. It's by resisting Him. The Spirit is quenched whenever we're not yielding to Him. Whenever we're not yielding to the revealed will of God. Simply it's this, it's simply stated, it's saying no to God. When we quench the Holy Spirit, we're saying no to God. It's telling God, I am not going to do what you tell me to do. I know you want me to do it. I'm not doing it. Sometimes we just outright say out of rebellion, I'm not doing it. I'm just not going to do it. Sometimes we convince ourselves or we allow the devil to lie to us to say we can't do it, even though God told us to do it. Let me help you. If God told you to do it, you can do it. If you're saved, are you telling me that, that the Holy Spirit of God is not stronger than your, than your, uh, your uh, attitude? You can't, you can't control your attitude? The Holy Spirit can't help you with that? The Holy Spirit's not as, not as strong as your personality? No. If, if God tells you to do it, it doesn't matter 
how you grew up. It doesn't matter what's happened in your life. It doesn't matter what your, what your um, natural inclinations are. God's stronger than that. And if God told you to do it, then you can do it. But oftentimes we say no for whatever reason. And it, and it results from a lack of surrender. If a believer wants to live a life that's filled with the Spirit, he must yield his body, as it says in Romans 6, yield his body as an instrument of righteousness unto God. In Romans 12, we're not going to turn to all these passages, but Paul goes as far as to beseech them. That's what it says in Romans 12, 1 and 2. I, I beseech you, brethren. That means I beg you. I beg you that you would live a life of surrender to God. He, he's begging the church at Rome. And he says in Romans 12, 1 and 2 that, that it's only when you do this, it's only when you surrender to God that you'll be able to discern or prove what is the perfect will of God in your life. You are not going to know what God wants you to do until you tell God that you'll do what He wants you to do. This is what it means to surrender to the Spirit and to do otherwise is to quench the Spirit. And, and why are you saying all this? Well, because right after that, right after that verse in, in Romans 12, 1 and 2, just a few verses later is when Paul talks about how that the church is a body. And he talks about how every body part in the church needs to do their role. And if every body part in the church is doing what God called them to do, then the church is going to move forward. And so, so the, the success of a church and, and the, the, um, the moving forwardness, I guess you can say, of a church is closely related to whether each church member is, is surrendered to the Holy Spirit of God or not. Paul said in Romans 4 and 5, For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members of another. We, we make up the body. We make up the flock. We make up God's vehicle for getting the gospel to Falls City, Nebraska. And if we are not surrendered to the Holy Spirit of God, personally, what we're doing is we're quenching the Spirit, not just in our life, but we're quenching the spirit in the church's life. And we're, and we're stifling the effectiveness of Valley Avenue Baptist Church. Yeah. And to be the church that God wants us to be. If you think about it, <clears throat> why would anybody not surrender to God? Why would anyone quench the spirit? Why wouldn't you surrender? Logically, it really makes no sense. If you know who God is, Right? If you truly know who our God is, if you know the love of our God, if you know the power of our God, if you know the goodness of our God, then why wouldn't you be willing to surrender to Him? To surrender every part of your life to the Holy Spirit's control. Why wouldn't you be willing? And the only reason I could come up with that a believer would be unwilling to surrender his life is that he doesn't truly trust God. You don't truly trust God if you won't surrender to God. It's like I've said many times, but if Ethan Moore comes to me, you know Ethan Moore, and he comes to me and says, Brother Jack, you know, it's a smile he gets, hey, I'm going to ask you to do something. You just have to say yes first. No, it's not happening. It's no, because I don't trust you. I don't trust that you have my best interest in heart. I don't trust that you know better than me. No, I'm not doing that. I'm not saying yes until I hear it. But that's what we do to God sometimes. God says, here's how you don't quench the Spirit. Here's how you live in the Spirit. Here's how you surrender to the Spirit. You say to God, 
God, whatever you ask, yes. Whatever you ask, whatever it is. I, tell, I told you, if, if God asked me to dig holes in the Congo, I'm doing it. Because if it's God that asked me, I'm going to do it. God asked Pastor Moore to go to Glendale. He said yes. He said yes before God asked, right? God did that. And God is working in your life. And God wants you to say yes to whatever it is. Now, it's usually not big, life-changing decisions, unless you just have a roller coaster life. But it's daily decisions. God asked you to be kind to that guy who cut you off. Did you say yes yet? Don't wait until then to say yes. God asked, uh-oh. God, <laughs> God asked you to be nice to your coworkers. God asked you, like Brother Tim said, to be a witness and testimony. God, God asks you to do these things. You need to say yes before you get in the situation. That's how you keep yourself from quenching the spirit. But that, ha but again, the overlap is there. As if you're if you're refusing to say yes to God in your personal life, it's going to quench your life with God. But it's also going to quench the life of Valley Avenue Baptist Church and the effectiveness of Valley Avenue Baptist Church. And so we need to say yes to God. Yeah. You might say, "Okay, Pastor, I want to say yes to God. I want to do what He tells me. I want to follow God. But how do I know what He wants me to do?" How do I say yes to the Spirit of God? Great question. You guys are awesome. The Holy Spirit, listen, the Holy Spirit always works through the Word of God. He always works through the Word of God. Jesus said, He does not speak of Himself. He always leads through the Word of God. If you want the Spirit if you want to surrender to the Spirit, and if you want to do what the Spirit says, you need to know what He says, and here's what He says, what the Bible says, always. That's how the Spirit works. His main job is to do this, is to help you understand the Bible, and then to apply it to your life. And that's where it gets different, right? That's where it's different for everybody. Because God doesn't call us all to be missionaries. But God did say to spread the gospel to all nations. And so the Holy Spirit will take the principle of the Word of God and He'll, he'll help the, the one who's going to be called to missions to understand that. And then what He'll do is He'll apply that to His life and say, God wants us to take the gospel to all nations. And by the way, that means I want you to go to Germany or to England or to Sri Lanka or to wherever that God calls them. But what happens is the Spirit takes the Word of God and He applies it to the, to the Christian. That's what He does. He doesn't just tell you, take three steps this way and two steps that way and dig and you'll find water. That's not how he works. He works through the Word of God. That's what he does. And so personally, each member needs to be in the Word of God. That's what that means. You need to be in the Word of God. <clears throat> you need to surrender to the Holy Spirit by willing to do what He speaks to you about. Don't just read the Word of God every day. First, say yes. Then read the Bible. And you just watch how it comes alive. That's what, happens, that's what needs to happen in your personal devotions. Every single day, you get up, you pray to God, you say, God, I'm an idiot, I need your help. You say, God, whatever you want me to do today, it's yes. And then you read the Word of God, and He speaks to you, and you've already said yes. And you make some decisions. That's the personal life of a believer. But that's exactly what needs to happen when we come together as a church family. Well, how do we hear the preaching? I mean, how do I, I gave it away already? How do we hear the word of God when we're together as a church family? The preaching. Yeah. 
So when we come to church, we need to come, listen, already surrendered to say yes to whatever he speaks to us about. How does he speak to us? Through his word. And when we hear the word of God preached, the Holy Spirit will take the word preached and he'll apply it to your life. And, it, and, and it's not a big deal because you've already said yes. And then you come and do what he said. Or you kneel at your chair and do what he said. Or you bow your head and promise that you're going to do what he said. But you've surrendered before you ever got here. You see? So don't quench the spirit. Yeah. And that brings us to our next verse, verse 20, where he says, Despise not prophesying. A healthy church member, listen, says yes to God, and a healthy church member gets excited about the preaching of the word. Excited. The preaching of the word should make you excited. Paul said, despise not prophesying. Prophesying has always been an incredibly important part of God's plan from the beginning. Prophesying. And sometimes we think of prophesying as telling the future. I will be a prophet and I will tell you. And that's why, you know, everyone who guessed that our daughters were girls, that I was a prophet. And that's how we think of prophesying, because they are all girls. And, you know, if we ever have another one, you could probably just assume it's going to be a girl. That's just a lot in life that I'm in. But anyways, but that's how we sometimes think of, of prophesying. But that's not really what it is. Uh, no doubt revealing the future is part of prophesying. But, but, God, but be, because God is the only one who can tell the future. Okay, so what are you saying? So fundamentally, prophesying, when you see prophesying in the Bible, it simply means to declare what God has said. God's the only one who knows the future, and so if someone tells the future and it comes true, probably God told them that. You see? But, that, but, the, but telling the future is not the only way prophesying happens. To prophesy is simply to be a mouthpiece for God. That's what it means to prophesy. It means to hear a message from God and deliver it to his people. <clears throat> Before the word of God was fully written, God would choose out a man to be his prophet. Right? He would choose out a prophet. The Old Testament prophets would hear a message directly from God and then say something like this, Thus saith the Lord. Or, Now hear the word of the Lord. Right? That's what a prophet says. Why? Because a prophet who is prophesying is not saying his message. He's saying the message he got from God and prophesying. Following? In fact, everything we have in the Old Testament is a result of God revealing his word to a man of God who would then write it down. And that's what we have. 2 Peter 1.21 says that knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. Why? For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. You see? And so what we have here is prophecy of Scripture. That's prophecy of Scripture. And when we have prophesyings, prophesyings, that's a verbal declaration of God's Word. The Scripture is written down, God's word. Prophesyings are verbal declarations of what God has said. Doing good? I know it's midweek and we're all a little tired. Are you doing good? Yeah. And so that's how we got our Old Testament. And then when Christ came to earth, 
He fulfilled the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. He established the New Testament in his blood, remember? In the first Lord's table, he said that. This is the New Testament in my blood. He, he came to bring us a new covenant. And he taught that new covenant, that new testament, to his apostles. An apostle means, what that word means, is someone who is sent with a message. And so God, Christ gave them his message, and they went out and proclaimed his message, which was new revelation, right? It's a new testament. And they declared it, and they wrote it down, and now we have the new testament. You doing all right? So now we have the completed word of God. There's no more need for new revelation. There will never be, listen, there will never be any more revelation. There will never be another prophet like, like the Old Testament prophets. There will never be another apostle like the New Testament apostles. That is done. It is completed. We have the complete and perfect, inerrant word of God that we stood for to read. This is the very word of God. God has already revealed all that he will reveal through the Word of God. And so, does that mean that prophesying is over? No. Not at all. We can, and we still do, proclaim the Word of God. That's prophesying. <clears throat> the man of God still has the ability to hear the direct Word of God and then deliver God's message to God's people. It's what Paul told Timothy to do in 2 Timothy 4.2. Preach the word. That's prophesying. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. And so as the pastor of that church at Ephesus, of Ephesus Baptist Church, Pastor Timothy was called to do what? Primarily preach the word. Yeah. Study to show himself approved. Rightly divide the word of truth, get a message from God, and give it to his people. That was what he was called to do. He was called to reprove, to rebuke, to exhort the people of God. How? With the word of God. Prophesying. And as he opened the word of God and proclaimed uh, the word of God to God's people, he was prophesying. And as the pastor of Valley Avenue Baptist Church, I am called primarily to preach the Word. Not preach about the Word. To preach the Word. To open it up and explain it and declare it to you. That's my job. I'm called to receive a message from God and deliver it to His people. It's not the same as the Old Testament prophets. It's not the same as the apostles. I don't receive direct, new, special revelation from God. God has already given us His complete revelation. But my job is this, to labor in the Word to study, to show myself approved, to rightly divide the Scripture and then deliver it to you. That's my job. I love it. And so when the book, listen, when the book is opened and it's proclaimed from this pulpit, it is what we're talking about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 20 when Paul said, despise not prophesying. This is prophesying. What's happening right now is prophesying. What's happening when we have a guest preacher, when we have revival meetings, it's prophesying. What happens when Brother Tim and Brother Josh get behind this pulpit and declare the Word of God? It's prophesying. And it's been the plan of God to, to speak to His people in a, in a major way 
through prophesying. It's been that way from the beginning, and it's still that way. And God is very clear in our passage when He inspired Paul to write these words. Despise not prophesies. To despise doesn't mean what we think immediately. To hate it or loathe it. You might be saying, oh, I'm good. I do not hate preaching. <laughs> That's not really what it's talking about. To despise means to think little of something. That's what it means. It means to not esteem something as valuable. You see? And so we need to, as God's people, myself included, actually in a lot of ways, especially me and Brother Tim and Brother Josh, when we declare the Word of God, we better take it serious. But we need to be careful not to despise or think little of the preaching of the Word of God. We need to take the preaching of the Word seriously. We need to highly value the preaching of the Word of God. As preachers, Brother Tim and Brother Josh, we need to take seriously, we need to highly value what God has called us to do when we get behind this pulpit. It's not to be taken lightly. We need to be careful when we say, thus saith the Lord, that what we said is actually from the Lord. Yeah, it's very important. It's not to be taken lightly. In the Old Testament, prophets were eaten if they said that. I don't know if I want that, but maybe I do. It could be that. But it's a high calling. It's not, it's not to be taken lightly. When you declare from the behind the pulpit, Brother Eric, when you preach, it's not, it's a, it's not a, a something to be taken lightly as we declare the Word of God. But listen, <clears throat> preachers are not the only ones who are commanded to highly value preaching. In fact, the main context of this is the flock. And God commands us all to despise, not prophesying. God commands us all to be excited about the preaching of the word. Not just show up because you have to. Not just show up because you're going to get you're going to be hounded by the pastor or brother Tim or somebody else, but because you're excited. We're commanded to be excited. Well, how can you tell me to be excited? Because you get to choose what you're excited about. You get to choose what's important to you, and God commands his people to be excited when the word of God, the word of the living God is open and explained. God's people are commanded to be excited. It's sad that we need to be commanded about that. But it is true that we're commanded about that. You know why we're commanded about that? Because we're tempted to not make it a big deal to earn our life. We're tempted to not make it a very big deal. Well, you, I think you guys make church too important. I've heard that. Why do you guys have church four times a week? Don't you think that's a little excessive? Why do you guys make a, such a big deal about being here every time the doors are open? Now, I'm preaching on Wednesday night, and I'm preaching to the ones that are mostly here every time the doors are open. I understand that, but that's still the explanation of the text. And I have to say it, the reason that we say that to be here every time the doors are open, it's because of what happens when we open the doors. I'm not the one who elevated preaching. I'm not the one that commanded that you not to despise prophesying? I'm not the one who said the preaching of the cross is to them that pool, that perish. I'm sorry, I didn't, nobody said that. The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But listen, unto us which are saved is the power of God. Preaching. 
I'm not the one who said it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. I'm not the one who said that preaching is a demonstration of the Spirit and of power. I'm not the one that said that God in due times manifested His Word through preaching. God said that. No. It is God who has throughout the ages chosen to make the declaration of His Word of the utmost importance. It's always been that way. You'd be hard-pressed you'd be hard-pressed to find anything in the Word of God that God values higher than the preaching of His Word. You'd be hard-pressed. Now, there's plenty of stuff that's as important, but I would contend I can't find anything that's more important to God. You see, It is through the preaching of the Word that the lost come to know God. It's through the preaching of the Word that the child of God is reproved and rebuked and exhorted and corrected. It's through the preaching of the Word that man is faced with the reality of their sin and given an opportunity to be made right with God. God places a high value. God does. Our Creator places a high value on the preaching of the Word. And Paul warns us, be careful not to place a low value on the preaching of the Word. As long as God allows me to pastor here, Valley Avenue Baptist Church will place a heavy emphasis and a heavy importance on the preaching of the Word of God. And I'm, gonna, and I'm going to lead the members to do the same thing. And I'm going to tell you over and over again, you need the preaching of the Word of God. Not only do you need it, but you need to make it important to you. You need to make it something that's primary in your life. Why do I say all that? Because God said that. He told me to tell you that. It's not because I think I'm a great preacher. You're stuck with me, and it is what it is. But because that, but here's why I say that. Because of what we're preaching about. And you're just going to have to get over me and, and get, see through me and see what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is important, though. But mostly I say it because God was very clear when he said, despise not it's pretty clear. Okay, so how do I place a high value on preaching? Well, let me give you some helps here. Do what you can to be in church. Primary. Preaching happens mostly at church. If there's a time when you know, listen, listen, why is it so important to be in church? Because there's a time when you know that the Word of God you know, the Word of God, the Word of the Creator, the one that He inspired men to write throughout the ages and preserved for us so that we can know who He is, so we can live a life for Him, the, the, what, the book that we base our eternity on and hopefully our livelihood on, when you know that the Word of God is being opened and the man of God has studied and He's going to explain it to you so that you can know what it says and how it applies to your life, that should mean something to you. Yeah. Now I get it. There's things that come that happen and they come up and you just really can't be here. But that's, that's between you and God. If you're sick, you're feeling crummy, especially if you think you're really contagious, then maybe you shouldn't be here. Okay? Or you should keep your distance. Do whatever you got to do. That's between you and God. Sometimes you just can't get out of a work thing. I get it. Somebody's got to keep the power plant running, even on Sundays. Someone's got to 
Someone's got to keep uh, people from going in there and stealing all that stuff that's in the power plant, even on Sundays. I get it. It would sure be nice if someone who didn't care about God and didn't care about church can do that, but someone's got to do it. And sometimes you just can't be here. I get it. I'm not going to, listen, God knows my heart. I'm not going to be the one who investigates your life and decides for you if you should be in church or not. I'm not going to do that with God's help. But what I will continue to do and what I will continue to say is that there should be nothing in your life, nothing in your life that is more important than sitting under the preaching of the Word of God when you're able to. What matters most is that you desperately want to be here. That's the, that's the emphasis behind this passage, that you want to be here. When the Word of God is preached, you want to be here. The problem comes when sitting under the preaching of the Word isn't valuable to you. Listen, your family should know that cookouts don't work for you on Sundays. They should already know that. They shouldn't even ask you. No, they're going to be in church on Sundays. I can't ask them. Your boss should know that you really would rather not work on a Sunday. They should know that. Your kid's coach should know before they sign up that he can have the privilege of your all-star kid playing on his team as long as they don't have to practice or play on a Sunday. They should know that. Before you even sign up, just tell them, listen, um, I'm a Christian. I, the preaching of the word is important to me. So you should know this. I'm not, I'm not going to show up on a Sunday. Sunday used to be sacred in our culture. It used to be something that nobody did nothing in our country on Sunday. Chick-fil-A is like the last one standing. Amen for Chick-fil-A. But the sad reality is this, is that it's not sacred anymore in our country. There are more and more things happening when God's people should be under the preaching of the Word of God. There are more and more things scheduled on that day. And so more and more often, you are going to have to make the decision. Unfortunately, I wish you didn't have to make the decision. I wish your decision was stay home and sleep or come to church. But, but it's just not that way anymore. You're going to have to make a choice. And, this is, and again, this is between you and God. Pastor, it's just one church service. I get it. Let me reword it. It's just one message from the God of the universe. <laughs> is that the same thing? I think it is. I only choose other things over hearing God's voice every once in a while. <laughs> you see? And again, this is not a pressure for me, a shame thing for me. You, you need to get with God about this. I'm not going to keep tally on you. I'm not going to investigate your life. This is between you and God. But it is me being a mouthpiece for God when he said, despise not prophesying. I don't know how else to say it. Just be careful. Here's what I'm saying. Just be careful not to undervalue the preaching of the word. And so again, I say, do your best to be here when the doors are open. That's one way to not despise prophesying. Number two, prepare on Saturday for what's going to take place on Sunday. Preparing for church on Sunday begins on Saturday. Yeah. On Saturday night, Think through what you need to do Sunday morning. Decide what you're going to wear. Maybe lay it out. Decide what time you need to get up to give yourself plenty of time to get to the house of God. Decide that on Saturday. You wait to decide that on Sunday. The devil is good at throwing things in there. 
don't stay up too late on Saturday night. It's hard to, listen, it's hard to engage with the Word of God. And when I preach, I'm going to do my best to engage your mind and teach you some stuff. And it's hard to engage with the Word of God when you're sleep deprived. <clears throat> it's hard to listen when you're sleeping. You see? God speaks, listen, God speaks first of all to your mind. First of all to your mind. And so you need your mind to be fully engaged. You need adequate sleep. So go to bed early on Saturday. Also, be careful what you put in your mind on Saturday night. Be careful what's on your mind before you go to bed. The battle for your heart and your mind begins before Sunday. Hey, the devil knows what's going to happen the next day. The devil knows the importance of preaching. He's not, he's not confused about all this. And he will do what he can to get you distracted by things that don't matter. And he'll start Saturday night. And it's going to be hard for you to wake up ready to hear the word of God when you fell asleep to a horror movie. Just saying. And it's not just that. Be careful what's, what's in your mind before, the, before you go to bed. How about this? Begin preparing your heart to hear from God on Saturday night. I typically, I, I'm an expository preacher, and so for the most part, here's what I do. I preach through books. I'm in Luke chapter 4. And so you pretty much know where I'm going to be. So maybe just take some time and read the passage on Saturday night. That'd be a good idea. Read through it. See what's going on. Be ready. Make it to where Sunday morning's not the first time you've ever heard those verses read. You know? That'll help. Yeah. Pray and ask God to soften your heart. Ask Him to help you get adequate rest so that you can hear from Him in the morning. <clears throat> Pastor, this all seems a little overboard. Don't you think? Not if you value preaching the way God values preaching. I'm just trying to help you not despise prophesying. And listen, you'll be surprised how much you get out of church if you take it seriously and you start preparing Saturday night for what's going to take place Sunday morning. If you have kids, get them excited about church. Hey, kids, guess what tomorrow is? Church! Yeah! We do that. Whenever, whenever I get a suit on, Kara's like, Daddy, we going to church? I said, yep. And Myla? Yep. And Nora and Mommy? Yep. We're going to church. They're pumped about it. You know why? Because kids will get excited about it if you're excited about it. But if you're like, all right, guys, we got to get up and <sighs> it's 9.15. Hurry. Get, get your stuff on. We have to go to church because if we don't, we're going to get in trouble by the pastor. No, that's, they're not going to be pumped about church that way. But if you're excited about church and you made a big deal about it, they'll go. Your kids will. I'm just trying to help you see. Preaching is important. Yeah. Sometimes we know that and we say that, but it's easy to not be intentional about it. Not be intentional about giving preaching the place it deserves in our life. Nothing, nothing should be more important to us than hearing the Good Shepherd's voice. And God has chosen, the Good Shepherd has chosen by the foolishness of preaching to be a primary way to hear his voice. And God takes it seriously. 
God places a high value on the preaching of the word. And so should we. And so a healthy sheep loves to hear the good shepherd's voice. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the preaching of your word. And even as I think back on my life, God, really, every major decision I've ever made has been a result of the preaching of your word. So thankful for it. Thank you for guiding me that way. Thank you for my pastor growing up. And thank you for Pastor Gaddis at Southwest Baptist Church in Oklahoma City. And thank you for Pastor Ben Moore. And Lord, just the preaching of your word consistently in my life for the last 30 plus years. God, I'm so thankful for it. Help us all, Lord, to value that the way you do. Help us, God, to avoid the trap of despising prophesying, of thinking little of church, of thinking little of preaching. Help us, God, to make it important like you want us to. And then just watch as we use the man of God and the word of God to grow and, and direct our lives. We love you. Christ, in my prayer. Amen. Let's stand together.